0: Hi, welcome to Here to Then, hosted by Carolyn Takeda, former attorney, current small groups pastor, and life coach. Through monthly conversations with pastors, authors, and guests, we hope to stir your thoughts and encourage you to move from where you are to where you want to be in your personal life, in your leadership, or in your ministry.
1: Hi, everyone. Happy summer. It is June. And you know what that means? Time to start planning for the fall new small group season, Um, which is challenging most years. But after two plus years of COVID, many of our ministries and our churches are facing a season of rebuilding which means that we need to recruit more leaders um, than ever before. And so if you have already finished your planning and you have all the leaders you could possibly need for fall, then I'm super jealous and this episode is probably not for you. But if you're like me and it's a little daunting to think about all the new group leaders that we're going to need this fall, then I hope you'll stay tuned. For this month, I pulled from the archives one of the most helpful conversations we've had on this topic of identifying and recruiting leaders. It was a panel discussion that we taped at the lobby conference in March of 2019 with small group pastors Bill Search, Mark Kendall, and Tommy Carrera, three different size churches in three different states with three different small group models. I think you'll find it helpful. We've ha- had an honest conversation about the issues related to leader recruitment, including the challenges of getting new leaders for groups, Um, the common obstacles that we face, how to overcome them, figuring out what are the minimum qualifications we need for a leader, depending on your church culture and organization, and then also examining the pros and cons of the various leader recruiting strategies like host, apprenticing, connection events, campaign, and group planting. So we hope you'll find this conversation encouraging, and hopefully you'll pick up some nuggets to try this summer as you invite people to say yes to leading a group. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda. I'm the host and the small group pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. We are doing a special Group Talk episode today because we're taping live from the Small Group Network Lobby Conference in San Juan Capistrano, California. And I have the privilege of hosting a panel discussion with three friends from the network. And we're going to talk about one of the top three things every small group pastor is always concerned about, regardless of church size, regardless of what time of ministry, uh, regardless regards of really anything, how do we get new group leaders? So we're going to discuss strategies to identify and recruit new leaders, and it is a felt need that we all have. I know I have it, and hopefully this conversation will be helpful to you. So I'm excited to learn along with you, f- with our guests today, who'll be sharing insights from their various experiences. So I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves briefly and tell us your name, your church, uh, where you're located, and how long you've been serving in small groups ministry. You start with you, Mark.
2: My name is Mark Kendall. I have been in small group ministry for about 27 years. I'm at a church in the Twin Cities, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, Grace Church, and been there seven and a half years. And I'm so glad to be here today in Southern California.
1: Wow. You do like the sign here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. And you, Tommy?
3: Uh, My name is Tommy. I serve as the groups and care director at Mission Church in Ventura, California, and I'm really used to the sun, but I'm (laughs) still thankful for it. I've been there about uh, almost six years
1: now. Okay, great.
0: And I'm Bill Search. I've served a handful of churches around the country. Right now, I serve as executive pastor of ministries at Crossings Community Church in Oklahoma City, and I've written a couple books on small groups.
1: And you're too modest to mention the books. So the first one was Simple Small Groups. And that was one of the first books I read in Small Groups Ministry. And then you've written a recent book in 2017 um, called The Essential Guide for Small Group Leaders, which is a terrific resource for new new leader, so, which makes sense, because we're talking about new leaders. Thank you. Um, well, so thank you all for being here. Now, I know whenever we gather, like at the lobby conference that we're at, one of the tough questions that comes up all the time is, hey. How do you get new leaders? How does your church do it? What works? What doesn't? So before we dive into kind of nuts and bolts of that, let's um, start here. Why is it so difficult to get new group leaders? Why do you think that? What are some barriers for that? (laughs) Jump in.
3: I'll be brave. I will start um, because I know a lot about what makes it difficult because it always seems to be difficult for me. Um, honestly, one of the things that I run into a lot of times um, is somebody's willingness—not—not not actually somebody's willingness. That's another problem. But the first thing is usually uh, somebody's own v- like vision of their own capability. Hmm. Um, so they don't feel prepared. They don't feel adequate enough. Um, we serve a lot of people that are coming back to the church for the first time or coming to Jesus for the first time, and they're like, "I don't, I don't know the answer." answers. I'm a mess, I can't help somebody else who's a mess, like, I, that's not, and it's just it's very me focused, but that's because the like the me that they see is not somebody that's capable of helping anybody else. That's- um, so, that's one of the things that I run into, and it's a great pastoral moment and an opportunity to mm-hmm. speak into what makes somebody adequate, uh, and it's not knowledge, it's not answers, it's not always these skills, uh, it's actually their trajectory toward uh, toward Jesus and their own experiences, and they're just actually like heart for people. Not, you know, there's they're not as much about their skills because skills can be trained. Um, so it's a great pastoral moment, but often the first ask is a no because they're right. not ready. Uh, but it's the first in a line of no's that eventually hopefully leads to yes. But uh, that's something I run into a lot.
1: Yeah. And Mark, we were talking a little bit earlier about how you have to develop a thick skin because you hear a lot of no's. Uh,
2: we get a lot of no's, and that's the one thing going into it, people. Uh, I think the biggest obstacle is their time. People are so busy. They're busy with family, kids, life, and their priorities you know, is important. All that's important, but it's the time factor and for them to do one more thing. Right. And, and so that's, it, it's a challenge, but we keep asking. We, we just keep asking. And once, once somebody comes to me and says, hey, I think they would make a small group leader, even if they say no, they're, they're in a file. And I'm just going to keep coming back to them and let the Holy Spirit work on them and 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 really encourage them that you are going to miss a blessing uh, to be a part of this. And so time is kind of a big right. factor.
1: And Bill, let me ask you this. You've been in ministry a long time and in different environments, especially around the country. Do you think this is dependent on like how... Um, Our church, our culture has moved away from Bible based thinking, moved away from so that it's harder to ask for stuff, commitment to the church. Oh, that's it,
0: I, you know, I love that question. I've served in Louisville, Kentucky, and Sacramento, California. Two very different <laughs> yes. environments. Buckle of the Bible Belt to I can't spell Bible. And uh, <laughs> and it's the same problem in both places. Okay. It really is. And I think what was already mentioned here is is spot on. I think people feel inadequate. They don't know if they can do it. I think that there's a huge time crunch. I also think it's a problem of our own making sometimes. Mm. Because the way that we talk about small groups and articulate it. Sometimes we'll talk people out of even participating, much less signing up to lead. Mm-hmm. So there's this tension between talking about small groups as this life changing thing. Well, now I have to be someone's personal Doctor Phil. That's a <laughs> lot of that's a lot of pressure. Or we talk about it as a is this massive disciple making endeavor, and now I have to be the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul. And so when we get up front and we sort of overpromise mm-hmm. the thing. Really, at its core, we're talking about helping people forge some spiritual friendships in a structured way. And if we can somehow communicate it that doesn't freak people out, I think that that will help them. But but it is a problem, I think, of our own making out of our own zeal, maybe out of our own theology. But oftentimes we just lift the thing up so much that we talk people out of it.
3: Yeah, I've, I've run into that exact thing because, and this is, I have a great lead pastor who is really good at getting behind the thing, behind the issue. And I talk a lot about how, you know, we need to create a better culture of groups. And he just kept, I was doing this in a meeting once and it was with other people too. So he was really poking hard at me. He was like, do you really want a culture of groups or do you want a culture of life changing relationships? And he kept doing that over and over. He's like, groups can't be the goal because what if they leave? And aren't in a church that has groups. They still need the same relationship. He kept pushing on that. And then I started to realize, like, if if my goal for people, too, is to get good enough or whatever enough to be a group leader— that's still not a great goal. I need somebody to be great at influencing the people that they're in relationship with and making an impact on them. And so for me, it's been recently changing the, changing the ask instead of like, do you want to be a group leader? And behind that question for me has always been, do you want to do a bunch of stuff (laughs) for a bunch of people that don't actually commit back to you what you've committed to them. Do you want to do that? And that's a really easy answer. It's just no. <laughs> um, so I've been trying to change the the ask and yeah. go, hey, do you want to, in the community that you're in, um, like, and in the relationship that you're in, even the group you're in, do you want to be trained and equipped to have the maximum impact with the influence right. that you have? And that's like, oh, Yeah, I do want to do that. And so hopefully it helps. It's new for me. I also
2: think that what happens is when we say, hey, I'd love you to be a group leader, the word leader automatically, uh, I'm not a leader. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And the old model was we were looking for people that could teach. We're not looking for teachers. And and necessarily not a great leader, but they are leading somebody. And, And so I think that terminology does factor in, I'm not a leader. I can't do this. Uh, yes, you can, and just sometimes changing that phraseology will make a difference, even in the presentation. Hey, can you come alongside people? Can you? Are you? You know, they're a great encourager. Uh, they have some spiritual depth to them that they can impart on other people, and so you know, just having that type of uh, expression to them uh, makes a big difference.
1: So, do you call them something else, Mark? You don't call them leaders?
2: Uh, yes, of course, we call them leaders, uh, but but. We we try to define what uh, that is. Okay. We that don't want sense. we don't want them to say you are the ultimate leader. You're right. not the right. ultimate Bible. You might not be the smartest person in the sure. room, sure. Uh, but you are going to be you know in a leadership right. role in in what that looks like. So defining that is important. But right off the bat, uh, they might not feel like they're they could do that.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we've played around with calling them facilitators, calling them other things, and I know this is a conversation that people have, and then. Uh, we decided to go with leader after a while because we realized that we were asking them to spiritually shepherd a couple people and for that we needed a certain amount of maturity and a certain which brings us to the next point is one of some of the barriers, you talked about some of them are being self-imposed, Bill um, are some of them like our context or our church imposed for us in terms of getting new leaders or is that because we require certain things that maybe we don't need to require, we do, Uh, what are some structural kind of limitations or barriers that could exist for getting new leaders?
0: Well, a church leadership, and by leadership I mean whether that governance is the senior pastor or an eldership or deacons, whatever is kind of the, the group of people that set tone and trajectory, mission and so forth for the church, they're going to establish. It doesn't really matter what at our level we care about. It, that's the level that's going to set the tone of what is required of a leader. So in some churches, they're going to say, well you're going to have to have a very high bar. In order to serve as a leader, you have to fit the qualifications of deacon as outlined by Paul in 1 Timothy and in Titus. Or they, they might say you have to be able to be almost ordained. Or, or you at least have to pass this sort of level of biblical understanding. You have to be a member or what have you. The church will establish that sort of deal, which will then maybe eliminate or alienate some people who are interested in leadership. Even if they qualify, they might go, well... I don't want to go that far. And some churches will say, well, no, we, what, we don't care about that. We'll take a risk on people. You just have to behave and be a halfway decent person and be willing to open up your home. So every church context and culture is going to set that. And that's where you, that, to me, is a starting place when you start looking at who can qualify, who can't qualify, what are those sorts of guidelines, because each church will be different in that regard.
1: Right, that's a good point. Um, So let's dive into what is your main process that's worked for you, whether at your current environment or previous environment, for getting new leaders.
2: I know for us, going to a church that really didn't have small group ministries, and to start a small group ministry, you're looking for uh, people that can fill that void and quickly. But unfortunately, it, it takes a while to develop you know, people that can fill that role. So we actually went with a um, a host model where anybody could lead a group of their own friends. We provided the guardrails. We provided the curriculum. We provided, uh, you know, here's what we want you to do, the answers for the leaders. So it was anybody could do that. Now, some people would say, uh, and even people within our own church, they they couldn't believe I'd even present that because they were brought up all the what ifs. Wonder if you have some heretics uh, doing this? And I said, Hey, they've got the the they've got the study, and but they're inviting their own heretic friends, and so they could do this. We didn't t- send anybody to those groups. Right. They were self-imposed. The yes. So w- we let them have that freedom. Now, on the back end, if they wanted to continue, we'd come alongside of them. That helped us when we didn't have enough people that could lead a group, and we had to do that for a couple of years. Thankfully, we don't now, but it, it filled the gap. So mm-hmm. we were looking at different methods t- you know, to find leaders. Now we you know we have processes
3: and not just stuck on one way.
1: Yeah. What about you, Tommy?
3: Yeah, for a long time, um the, the type of leader I was looking for was dependent on the, the results that I wanted from our groups, which makes perfect sense. If you want people to be friends and you need people that can help people be friends. And if you want people to be incredibly mature disciples, you need people that can help create that. Um and it depends on what you're aiming for. For a long time the main goal that we were aiming for was for people to have spiritual friendships. And so um, people I was looking for mostly were people with great hospitality, um, willing to open their lives and their homes, but then also fit within some of the guardrails of like, they're not going to, because we were sending people to their groups. So they were safe people. And they were also, we were saying like, "You, you also don't need to comment on this. And you also don't need to like, maybe don't set policy on these theological issues. Right. just, just maintain this idea of like we're aiming for spiritual friendships. We're going for things together. And so that was what we did for a long time. And it was a lot based on personality and trajectory. So it was easy to take risks on people and then train them up to be, better at helping people follow Jesus more closely. Um, but I was realizing that there was this cap on on what we were doing there because if we wanted, like, groups to be the place where people can kind of maximize their efforts in following Jesus together, then just this pure hospitality kind of feel wasn't going to produce okay. that. And so, what we've moved toward recently is um, kind of a, a new model where, uh, and, and, and this, is, this is vulnerable for me because... <laughs> I literally just finished my this, first this round is, of it, so this
1: is a safe place. <laughs> um, tell us how it worked.
3: Safe place for all the <laughs> tell us all the people. How it really work though. Uh, <laughs> no. I don't know yet. that's oh, okay. the worst part. That's I, a good like, disclaimer. We do not know. It's great on paper. Well, I don't. It's maybe it's, it's great great know. on paper. Anyway, as, as
1: are many just
3: enough prefacing for myself. But um, so what it did was like created a, a five week event uh, called Group Launch, where like you come and nobody, no groups exist. And, um, I invited some leaders to to be leaders, but they, I didn't ever tell them their job description. Um, which was funny because I didn't actually have it written yet because I was like oh, I got to land in the right place anyway so this five week thing everybody starts this is a group link style um, of like nobody's in a group and by the end of the first night of the five weeks um, they've all formed groups okay some by stage of life some are those beautiful mixes of generations and everything and it was great all the groups formed really well and all I told the leaders was you've got a red dot on your name tag um, try not to start the forming process with another red dot. And if, if it ends up that two leaders are in a group, you're going to have a great group. But some of them also won't have leaders then because um, had 14 leaders or sets of leaders uh, <clears throat> and 15 groups were formed. And so some had doubles and some didn't have, have leaders. And then I was like, well, now what do we do? We have this, this void of leadership in some of those groups, but they got off to a beautiful start because everybody started taking ownership of the experience together and so by the end of it kind of figured out instead of them nominating their leader i think in a a lot of times at least in a group link style you know you hear everybody's story you get to know everybody and then you like the group nominates the leader right, right. and that stressed me out because i was literally <laughs> watching one of those groups function and the facilitator um, for that night was somebody that I could tell everybody was looking to, like, you're a great facilitator. You're leading us well, all this. I was like, they're going to nominate him. I wouldn't say yes to him. Hmm. Uh-oh. It's awkward. <laughs> and I don't want to <laughs> give him the same title. He's a great, great guy. He's just not in that spot where I'm like, I don't want to give you the same title as the person I invited because I trust them and their trajectory uh, and and the way that they follow Jesus and the, and the life they have to give away. I trust this person. And I don't trust that in them yet. Doesn't mean they can't get there But I'm not ready to do, I'm not ready to call them the same thing. Um, And so I launched all of those groups with no leader. They just have uh, everybody walked out of group launch with a a role, but it was like facilitator, hospitality, host, all these different things. Um, And then the leadership process isn't now necessary for the group to run. It's just like a meta function. I oh. hope this is making any sense, because this is, this is really brand new. And, <laughs> it's a good word, meta function. I, I know. I was pretty excited <laughs> about it. i looking that up later. <laughs> uh, um, It's not real, but it sounds good. Um, but the idea was like, if it's your share, group can run, share. and it'll be great. Everybody has ownership of the group right. experience. But if you want to leverage your impact on your new friends, your influence with your new friends, apply to be a leader, get interviewed, and then we'll train and equip you to do that. But it doesn't mean you do more stuff. And that's been, so far, the reception has been really helpful, especially for the leaders I asked in, because then by the end of the five weeks, they realized, they were kind of thinking like, gear up, do all the stuff, got to do all the stuff, got to call the people, text all the people, make all the snacks, do all the things. And then by the end of it, they realized, oh, I just signed up to be a facilitator, but I'm also a leader. So what does a leader do? I'm like, you help people follow Jesus. I think that was the goal, right? So, I'm trying to separate the logistics Mm -hmm. and the function of of what I used to call a leader, which was do all the stuff and hope they commit eventually back to you uh, and, like, separate that out. Say, if like, if the group doesn't work, it's because they all didn't take ownership. You can feel responsibility over it, but but it's not your deal. If they don't commit, they didn't commit and you can't make them commit, but you can pursue them and help them take their next spiritual step. And that's kind of what I want you to focus on anyway. That's the new method. So it's literally trying to turn people in groups into leaders in their own groups. Because I also used okay. to say, do you want to lead? I know you love your group, but I know you're the best person in your group besides the leader. Can you leave that group?
1: Yes, which is and a that one, was one like, common uh, method.
3: <laughs> no. Like, okay, but maybe... Maybe in a month Then do you want to Like leave your Group of best friends That it's all working And do you want to Leave that for people That you don't know And that you don't Like aren't committed To you Like no I don't Want to do that Why would I want to do, uh, That that I old know, method that Worked
0: for one month over. In 1977 Yeah and really it, like, And other than In the books That method <laughs> it Universally so It is beautifully Beautifully written okay, so the In the books
1: Model is similar To that though. So that's then, exactly
0: that's, What you, that's the, What that model is And it's beautiful When it works And who can and say anything against it. It just doesn't work widely. Yeah. You have to be so missionally minded and mature in your faith. And most of us are in process, so I won't disparage anybody. It just... Is what it is, and most people, once they find community, are not going to want to leave that community. Especially in our current culture, that's, well, it's so, I it's think so that I think it was true forty years ago. I don't think right. I, I don't. I think as people, we don't change that much. I think that that's just how that is. But it's it, the apprentice model is a lovely model, and where it works, then celebrate <laughs> it and use it. But if that doesn't work in your church, I, I love that these two models that were just expressed: the host model and then the connection group model. Both of them are tried and true, both work, and both work in different times in the seasons and lives of a church. And so I came into a church that was very fast growing in West Michigan, and uh, we were stalled. We were growing like crazy on the weekends with attendance and not in our small groups. And so the small group pastor at the time, was uh, he, they, he was called to do something different. And so I was given the opportunity with another team of people to unblock the blockage basically. And the senior pastor sat us down and said, basically in in between the lines, he said, fix it or I'll find people who will, you know, that was more or less, it wasn't that brutal, but it was pretty well clearly uh, articulated. We all knew we had to fix this. So we actually used that connection model. Only we used a, a, a two hour event that I think Saddleback pioneered many, many years ago, where you choose your own leader after two hours or hour and a half of getting to know one another. And it is nerve wracking, but it worked for that season. And then once we got enough kind of traction under us, then we were able to identify people that we were comfortable having leads. So we were doing more your model there at mission where it was people that we'd already identified who would lead and we'd walk them through kind of a group building process and so forth. I think what's neat is that there's really a myriad of ways to mm-hmm. help people get into groups and to find leaders for those groups. So some of it's kind of going, hey, can you host a thing? Some of it is, hey, we'll trick you. Just show up and we'll (laughs) do this. Some of it is just sitting down over coffee and going, I'd like you to try this out. Um, A current model that's popular once again is eight or ten week curriculum run where people go people are handed a curriculum and the church is sort of all in it's an exciting material and uh, sometimes churches write it sometimes they buy the material and they the idea is you're just signing up for some short term thing so the leader is signing up for a short term thing an eight week or ten week Mm -hmm. commitment and then at the end of it the hope and prayer is the relationships are formed the leader wants to keep going that's how my wife and I just started our small group. We weren't even the leaders. We were just participants mm-hmm. in it. And we did in the fall of last year. We were brand new to the church in the area. So we had about a dozen or so people in this group. We were going through some material. And once that material wrapped up, as it turned out, we liked each other. And so <laughs> Karen and I signed up to take the group on. And the other folks that were sort of like the short-term leaders, they they were called to do something different. And so we have continued on with that group and the relationships are forging. I think part of it is, is we have to remember when it comes to small groups, we're not dealing with brain surgery, rocket science. This is, I, what's the term? Spiritual friendships. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, can you, can you open up your house, have some light conversations, read a little scripture, talk about it, and pray for one another? If you can't do that, we shouldn't try to make you a leader. But if you can do that, you probably can lead a group at some elementary level. Mark, were you gonna say something? Yeah,
2: you know, when you were talking about some of the, you know, leaders that you guys stepped into that role, one of the things that we started doing is, uh, you know, the apprentice model, I agree with you, that is such a challenge. Uh, So what I started doing, I started thinking, okay, we've got some really great leaders and they have a heart for leading people, they get the vision. So I started going to them and saying, Hey, would you consider stepping out of your group that you've been with for a couple of years, maybe two or three years, and start a new group? Because they loved it at the beginning. And so we started we started uh, presenting that, and a number of leaders were like, yeah, thanks for asking. Because they were just looking for that ask, and I thought, you know, this is a good way uh, to to start new groups with great leaders. And that whole group stays together. They've already know each other. So they're, yes, they're sending out somebody, but it's the main leader and they're already enthusiastic about it. And so that was just kind of another, uh, another thing I stumbled upon thinking about. And it's actually been something that has been very fruitful.
0: Keeps the, It keeps the group fresh too, yes. because then yeah. that leader, a lot of times that is such a, a good way to do it because the if you don't do that, that group will dissipate because the leaders are looking for a new challenge. So that yeah. group will, will probably either plateau or fall apart. Mm-hmm. Giving the leader a new challenge allows new leaders mm-hmm. to emerge, creates two healthy groups out of one. And you know what you're getting? You do. Because yes. yeah. they're great there and they have yeah. that heart. They already have
2: that missionary yeah. heart. And, so,
1: and part of the, that's, yeah, that's been a win for us as well. And what's kind of cool about that one is you can take a seasoned leader who's terrific and they've been leading their group maybe for several years, um, but now their season of life has maybe shifted and we had some of these leaders that um, kind of had started having adult children and they were empty nesting. Now their availability had shifted, but, and they were just interested in doing something different. Um, and so we offered, we had a lot of young families that had kind of joined the church and they wanted more more mentorship, wanted not so much a peer relationship, but wanted kind of an older mentor couple. How do you do marriage? How do you do parenting? And so some of these leaders, I didn't want to lose them um, because over time they're ready, as Bill said, for a new challenge and so we invited them to be like a mentor couple small group. So kind of custom created a small group, another one related to uh, grandchildren and what those issues were and they got excited again because it was a fresh Mm. group uh, with a target purpose um, which made them feel like, okay, now there's another growth piece. And because real leaders want to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how you know you'll have one. So I think there, if any way we can kind of spark that again in people to go plant new groups, that helps a lot. I think um, another thing we had talked about uh, a little bit ago was um, the idea of when someone leaves the group, like Bill, you start, you join the initial group and then the leader left and then you join them. I think that's an easy one too, where you, someone in the group, when, because we have a lot of transition, people moving in and out of the area or whatnot, um, or they're doing other ministries, to then invite somebody else in their group to step up to that level of leadership. Um, but the danger, Mark and I are this conversation a little bit ago, the danger is sometimes you don't, want to pick that person that the small group leader has identified so what do you guys do when um, someone either self-selects and and says hey I want to be a leader this is why we never want to do the announcement from the platform because you get some interesting people Um, or their leader says hey you know John will be a great leader I'm leaving but you know make him the leader and the group's already bought in and you come into the picture and you're like no this is not a good idea like how do you guys handle that?
0: A uh, couple of different ways. There, the coward's way out is just let gravity take its force because usually if you feel that way because they don't seemingly have the qualities or capabilities of leading, usually the whole thing will fall apart. Either the character of the person so will reveal it itself <laughs> and people won't want to be in their group, or the group will die, and I've seen that happen more than once. But that's really the pastoral work of engaging in relational sure. conversation. We have to be clear why it why we feel they shouldn't lead. Is it is there a moral or spiritual qualification issue? Um, is there just a temperament issue? Or we have to also do a little soul searching. Is this just a preference like as in, I wouldn't want to be in their group, so they probably shouldn't leave. Mm. And if it's that one, we have to humble ourselves and realize, well, maybe someone wouldn't want to be in our group. Maybe they will be great with their group, and that's okay. So if that's just a preference thing, we should let that one go. But if it's a spiritual qualification issue, then it's incumbent upon us to do the pastoral work. And then we have to lovingly, as Paul would say in Galatians 6.1, uh, is that the spiritual leaders should go to that person in humility and go and talk to that person. I'm presuming at that point, the reason we wouldn't want them to lead is we know something mm-hmm. that hasn't revealed itself. In which case, that's what we have to do is have that conversation with that leader right. about that matter. But again, I, I just reiterate, if this is just a preference thing, we're like, well, they just dominate conversation well, we can let them try it and maybe the group will be cheerful about being dominated or, (laughs) or they'll learn and,
1: or we don't put people themselves. into their group, yeah. um, or we put other controls on it, or we sometimes we say not yet. Um, we have a little bit of a waiting period when someone joins our church right away. We want them to get to just to kind of be there and get to know the culture and dive in in their own pace. So even though they've led groups in their old church or whatever, we just we put them on a, in a file like you said, Mark. We keep tabs on them, but we want to just give them that time just to get settled. Um, and sometimes that's hard because we need leaders and we want to employ them right away. But it's always usually paid. Off um, when we've given them space and time, or we've at, we've allowed people to step off, has paid off. So, what are some other like negatives of things? You're like, gosh, this went really well, or the spirit of vulnerability, Tommy, where things didn't go so well in terms of recruiting um, and deploying new leaders.
0: She mentioned your name, Tommy. Wow. I, I mean,
1: you're. <laughs> you're in, I have
0: to talk. I, you know while Tommy's thinking. I I just on yes. this. This happened once when we were doing our sort of what we always called point and shoot. It was, you know, they'd meet each other and after two hours, they'd point at the person that they wanted to have lead. Well, we did this one night and the couple that was chosen, unbeknownst to even us that were leading the process, were going through serious marital issues. Oh, created a vulnerable moment where the group... Literally, that couple went, you know, we really shouldn't lead because we came in here for help, not to lead other people. Mm. We're having marital issues. That's why we're here. Wow. They, someone else was chosen to lead the group. It did. Now, that's like wow. best case scenario. That I'll is, admit. Crazy. Those are like sermon illustrations. <laughs> uh, but it readily comes to mind that that we also have to recognize Holy Spirit's part of the process. Yes. So, Tommy, have you had enough time to think <laughs> to answer the question?
3: Oh, I guess so. Um yeah, I think uh, I think the big thing is when when I've asked people in um, specifically, and it's just been a yes or a no for them. There's no next step for them. Like if I ask somebody to apply now, there's a process that they have to go through, and they don't just go like yes because you need me. Like, well, that's not going to last us very long, right? <laughs> like, that's not going to help. I want you to want to do this. I want it to be an aspirational thing, also for you. I don't want leadership from you, right? I want leadership for you. And that's been the biggest problem that I've run into is I keep asking for leadership from people. That's really good Um, distinction. And so what I've tried to fix in that is go like, I I want this for you and I I need to make it so good (laughs) and so inviting uh, that you desperately want to get trained, get equipped, get support, get accountability Mm -hmm. for the right thing too. Not just to run a great group, but to, Uh, help your friends. Like I I want you to be able to influence people. That's what a leader does because leadership is influence. Leadership isn't good logistics. You can manage a group just fine. A lot of people can, um, but I want you to lead people, not not even just a group. I want you to lead people. Um, And so I've over and over asked people for leadership, like from them, and I'm trying to ask it for them now. Like, Hey, I, I, I see this in you. And I want to help fan the flame of what's what, what God's doing in your life so that you can give it away and know how to give it away to other people. Um, I've not cornered the market on that. Or That's figured a great it out. distinction though. But it's helped me yes. change my thinking a lot. And also yes. I'm not asking as many people. I'm I'm asking them if they're ready. Hey, do you think you're ready hmm. to apply? Or do you think is that something you want? Do you want to? And I start going with like with the outcome. Do you want to? Be the best person you can for the people around you. Do you want to I was gonna do say all these no things? to that, right? Right? <laughs> right? right, Yeah. You're like, Oh I do. I have a, That's I have quite a, a sales. I <laughs> think I can help. Like I, I think I can guide you there, not you know, I really need something from you so that my numbers look Better right? That's kind of what I was saying before. I need they need you. So that, somehow you know, desperation is, never yeah. really
1: is all that attractive. No, it's really not. It's not in dating. It's yeah. not in recruiting leaders. I think when it's about you know we need people. I think there's a way to massage. I think I've I love that distinction. I've turned the corner and tried to say you know there's people in our church. There's people in our community that need Jesus, um, and you have some some skills and you have a maturity for that. Would you like invite? Is more of an invitational versus a oh my gosh we're so desperate we're hurting or you on know, so a dotted line guilt and shame are never great motivators Jesus compels us with His love and so we try to do the same but you got to almost like be really conscious like you're saying um, Tommy of sh- making that shift to be invitational versus h- what's the other option I mean it's how you get guilted into the PTA I mean it's, there's another piece
2: and I'm probably uh, this is where uh, early on in ministry I could I could sell somebody. To be a small group leader and and close the sale. Uh, (laughs) I I like selling. I like uh, I like the challenge of getting them to say yes. And the problem with that was I would get them to say yes, but they were saying it yes for all the wrong reasons. To you probably. To me. Oh, because you know, Pastor Mark is asking me to be a small group. So they felt obligated, Mm -hmm. guilted into it. And they didn't have time to pray about it, think about it. So what I've done, and it's really helped me, is if someone gives me a name, of, even of a person I don't know, and we have a process too, you know, they can fill out application. But I want to meet with them. I want to talk with them. And I tell them up front, I'm not here to, to get a yes or no right now. I says, I don't want that. As a matter of fact, uh, I want to wait at least two to three weeks so you can have time to pray about it, think about it, because this is a big commitment, and uh, if God's calling you, then you cannot help but do it. But if you're doing it because of me, that guilt will last He you get to the car, and then you're going <laughs> to not like me anymore. And so, guilting people in the ministry, I think we all have been guilty, and it's easy to do because we're looking for those warm bodies. And I don't think we, uh, in the long run, that's not sustainable. And so, that's, that's something that I, I've tried to say, okay, God, I'll let you... Get them to do it,
0: you know, just thinking looking at the New Testament to cut ourselves some slack. The New Testament's full of messy churches because they were dealing with the resources and people available at the moment. Yes. And so, in ministry, there's seasons of desperation where you do guilt trip because uh, <laughs> you know there's some, there's some divine qualities to that, you know, and yet there are also seasons ideally where you're able to plan ahead, plant seeds, watch the fruit. Uh, grow and harvest it. And so I, I think that when we look at the scriptures, we certainly see there are some leadership situations where it's desperate times and you're grabbing hold. The deacons, if you look at how they appointed the deacons in the sixth uh, chapter of Acts, they basically just go, y'all decide who should do this. And they decided. And uh, and then if we're always worried about, well, we might appoint a leader who doesn't work out, Jesus appointed Judas. And Good point. <laughs> that one didn't work out. So, you know, if we're, we, it, we can let ourselves be free from the perfectionist trap that we have to find just the right leader and do it in just the right way, there are different seasons that come and go where we have to respond according to the need at hand. So I think we all should have a... a plan A that we prefer, Mm -hmm. and then in given situations, then in sort of Holy Spirit desperation, we go, Lord, we hope I'm doing the right thing here, Mm -hmm. but this is what we need now.
2: And this is a good time of the year, you know, as you were thinking, even the fall, what we, what we wind up doing is we go to our existing group leaders and say, hey, who do you see that's rising up that could potentially be a group leader of their own? And so we're already... Uh, getting those names we will we'll start uh, sending them hey I'd love to talk with you about it and it's far off but it will it's it's something that like you said Bill is we get desperate it comes August oh man I need some leaders (laughs) it's now when we need to start planning for September for that launch and so it's it's thinking out there as well.
1: But I do appreciate, and it's a great place for us to end, I do appreciate, Bill, your encouragement, that there are seasons. Um, So there are going to be times that we're going to try a host model, because we need leaders fast. We may try um, you know, the connection model. We may try the point and pick model. Um, There's lots of models out there. And for different seasons, different contexts, different churches, it's going to work. Um, And it won't always work every single time, either. But to kind of pray through that. And I love the conversation towards the end, about just I think we get so wrapped up in our own desire to not so much for the numbers as it is just do we want to do well I think at our heart we want to connect people and we want groups to flourish and so um, when we get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to do this part my prayer at every um, fall and every January is God these are your people remember I have to constantly remind myself now, It's not like that like God doesn't know that there's people I have to remind myself these con- this congregation, these are your people. The people signing up for small groups, there's too many of them for the number of leaders we have. Again, your people, you're the, the shepherd, so you need to provide leaders. So I just put it back on God to provide, and it keeps me more humble and more free to not coerce or manipulate or sell, um, and instead allow the Holy Spirit to do the persuading. And every every single time, he provides what we need. And so, um, But every time I panic, so we just kind of go through this lovely little cycle, me and Jesus. But thank you guys so much for your input. This is such a, an important topic, and hopefully was helpful. Um, all three of these guys are active in the Small Group Network. And in fact, um, what huddle are you guys part of? So you lead a huddle in Minnesota. The
2: the, the
3: North Central. The
1: North Central. Uh, you know, okay. Twin Cities okay and Tommy is be- a
3: really long name but it's Ventura County and around Ventura
1: so County so we do okay so I'm in Tommy's huddle so we have Santa Barbara we have Ventura we all the way out to, to North LA so it's kind of a wide range and then Bill are you involved with a huddle
0: I'm going to join yours that sounds Come fantastic join. <laughs> It's, it's all LA to it's pretty Ventura cool. and you Santa can join Barbara us so it <laughs> doesn't matter that I'm in Oklahoma <laughs> I'm joining yours
1: <laughs> we'll, bring, we'll put the screen up and you can join join right along with us but um, these guys are active on our Facebook group so if you you want to connect with them or ask questions um, and just continue the dialogue and please are we more than welcome to so thank you so much for being on group talk and thank you all for listening so god bless you and your ministries see you next time
0: thank you for listening to here to there part of the group talk network of podcasts if you like what you've heard make sure you subscribe on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcasts if you want to learn more make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for
2: more resources